In the ever-changing world of retail, you need solutions you can count on. Welcome to Keeping Count, a podcast from the inventory accuracy experts at Datascan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of this series of Herb's Hot Takes, where we've been talking about returns and the issue of returns for retailers. We've covered a lot of ground so far with our expert guest, Herb Billings. He's the VP of Technology Strategy at Datascan. Herb, welcome back. Final episode of the series. Yes, thanks, Tyler. It's been fun. Well, Herb, we've covered a lot of ground in this series so far, just talking about returns, outlining the problem, what happens to, to inventory once it's been returned, and also some best practices for handling returns. And today, uh, we have a lot more ground to cover, talking about what retailers can do on the front end to minimize returns. But just bring us up to speed on some of the high points of what we've talked about in the series so far. Sure. Well, we've certainly talked about how returns are a growing problem, and they're growing right alongside online sales. The more online sales you have, the more returns you have. Not only in number, but the cost of those returns are much more expensive than a brick and mortar return. Um, the, the retailers are also being faced with an environmental impact uh, with the returns that are thrown away. 25% of them are thrown away into landfills. Another percentage are incinerated. And these things are of concerns to consumers now. And they're also concerns to governments who are starting to enact laws uh, to, to force donations or um, reuse of these items. So we've covered a lot of ground up to this point talking about returns, but all of our conversation has been with the assumption that, that returns happen. And of course, they're an inevitability. Returns do happen. But what sorts of things can retailers do on the front end to maybe prevent returns from happening in the first place? Certainly. Well, uh, it's very important. Our last episode was to talk about best practice. Best practice is to make it free and painless for the consumer. Absolutely. Which does increase the likelihood that items will be returned. How do you decrease that likelihood without making it painful or expensive for the consumers. Um, just as a reminder, up to 30 to 40 percent of items can be returned depending upon the category. Apparel and footwear seem to have the highest rates. This is a tremendous impact to your profitability. Uh, you have a lot of labor handling the returns. Uh, it can result in markdowns, if not a complete write-off. Um, and then you have the return shipping charges that you're also responsible for. Uh, what they found, one article that I read said 65% of the returns are actually the retailer's fault. Mm -hmm. So in order to address those uh, impacts to profitability, uh, the retailers can really look in the mirror and see what, what needs to be done. Uh, it's a big opportunity to study and, and, and improve this process. Gather as much info as you can. So the first part of the returns process is to find out why. Uh, take that information, uh, encourage the honest answers from the customers, make sure that they're not pencil whipping it by some burdensome, burdensome form, uh, and, and a simple and easy policy is, goes a long way for that. Um, but then study your results and identify your top priorities, just like you would with any other uh, potentially problematic process. So once you've analyzed this and asked those important why questions, what's the next step? Well, I like to think of these uh, these problems uh, by busting them up into smaller problems or at least smaller components and study each one. Uh, here, I like to think of each phase in the item's life from start to finish, but finish is not when it leaves the retailer's door. Um, let's start with the design process. You can have a design flaw that could cause returns, something that is just not... Uh, 
it's impossible to know until it actually gets out into the field. So uh, that's one thing to look at. Another is your manufacturing facilities and process. Uh, is it a material problem? Do you have substandard materials? Uh, is it a workmanship problem? Are there processes in the manufacturing uh, process that need to be updated, fixed, or changed? Um, from there, it's in the supply chain. So, the, you know, when the item travels from the manufacturer to the retailer, uh, it's now in the supply chain. And typically what happens there is related to the packaging or the handling of the items. You know, it could be something as simple as this is up. Keep all of these boxes faced in this direction right. uh, and, and it not be readable for it to be a significant change to improve uh, items getting damaged in the supply chain. Uh, from there, you have shipments to the customer. Uh, where can that go wrong? Well, there are a number of ways. Uh, the pick process could be wrong. You might get the wrong item. Is it coral? Is it orange? Are you double-checking the SKUs? Um, you can have damage in shipping, and then that would be a, a, a function of how the product was either packaged in the first place or how the shipment was prepared. Uh, and then you can have late shipments, and that, that is all dealing with your, your shipping provider or the last mile if, you know, if you're dealing with that. So let's assume for a moment that, that nothing with the supply chain went wrong, that everything from beginning to end of the process went smoothly, it was delivered to the customer in a timely manner, and all of that sort of thing. Everything went well. Are there other things that could still trigger a return? Yes. So we talked in the previous episode about how fit, feel, color, description, all of these can be problem areas that could cause a return. Um, in this regard, you really want to over-describe the product. If it's too small a detail in your mind, it is not too small to include on the website. Right. Uh, color, size, shape, weight, all of those are obvious. Um, how the item is used is not so obvious, and that's a good one to include. Um, washing instructions for apparel is my example that I'm going to go with. I looked at my, my very first item to look up for this was uh, a, like a shirt, and it said machine washable. Oh, that sounds great. But if you're in the store, you're looking at the tag, and you see that it is machine washable cold only and do not tumble dry. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of things that uh, were not in that description, and you might find when you get home and you say, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah. That's not how I do laundry. Um, reviews, obviously. Everybody checks reviews. Your average star rating is an important one. Uh, but some of the other newer items that I've seen are keyword indexes. So when you go to a site and you see an item that's really, really popular and it's got 2,000 reviews, which ones do I read and did I get the ones that are important to me? Well, the keyword index of the reviews is a really helpful uh, piece of information for mm -hmm. the consumer. Um, you know, another, another issue is, uh, is this review useful? So when you read it, sometimes you see the joke reviews online. So maybe that one's not so useful, but it was funny to read. Um, it's interesting how the, the e-commerce sites now are asking you to review the review. Yeah. And so those will have a higher priority for the next person. Again, that's where we all pitch in and crowdsource uh, the usefulness of these things. 
questions and answers. I, I really love those because very often I'll find the very question I have and that's answered by somebody who has the item and I trust those uh, generally. Um, certainly pictures are important, but, but need to think about them from every single angle. Uh, it's also helpful to see the item in use. Short video clips are useful for every angle and in-use information. Um, but there's another one that's, that's becoming really popular is a product live stream by your brand ambassadors. Mm. So these days with Instagram selling, Snapchat selling, and uh, uh, Facebook and all of the others, uh, it's helpful to have somebody that you trust because you liked them on this TV show or you sure. liked them in those movies. And whatever it is that, uh, that gives you an affinity for that person also gives you an affinity for those products. Um, not just a picture that says, drink this water, but also, you know, how it's used and, and that sort of, well, water's probably not the best example for that, but some other item that, that might be useful. So what about emerging technologies? We've, we've you know, seen some with AR and VR, things like that, that, that might be exciting to discuss and explore as it relates to how you could potentially see and experience a product before you actually have it physically in your hands. Those are really, really exciting to me, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to what comes next. Mm -hmm. uh, augmented reality and virtual reality are two things that I think will really uh, benefit retailers in the long run. Today, right now, you can use augmented reality to place furniture in your own room. So you take a picture of the room and you say, I want this piece of furniture and then you move it to that spot and you see exactly how it will look and it will be the, uh, the size that it's supposed to be in that room. Uh, you'll see if it fits and if it makes sense. Uh, Sephora and L'Oreal allow you to apply makeup to your virtual image. Mm -hmm. And so that is a, a big benefit to see how that color is going to look. Warby Parker is the go-to DTC brand for eyeglasses. Um, That's what we have right here. Awesome. Uh, well, they allow you to, to see what those frames will look like on your face. So this, this really is a huge benefit and, and reduces the returns a significant amount. Now, virtual reality is a little bit more uh, difficult to implement. It's a little bit you know, you don't have anything to augment. You're actually completely creating reality from scratch. Mm -hmm. I understand Lowe's has uh, a virtual reality tool that allows you to practice using their equipment that you can buy there. So if you want to practice with a table saw and learn how to use it and see what's important, wow, um, you can do those things. Uh, I expect to see more virtual reality coming, you know, to a website near you. And what about maybe other tools for, for sizing, that being a big issue, especially as it relates to apparel like we've talked about in the past? Yes, apparel with the 30 to 40% return rates, uh, sizing, there is no standard model. Everybody knows that. You know that an XL in this brand is not an XL in that brand. Right. Um, and then it gets worse with women's dresses and the sizing there. Vanity sizing has come into play where... Uh, you know, we've all grown over the years, and so to make us feel better about ourselves, they might say that what used to be a small is now, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, what used to be a medium is now a small. Right. Um, all of that is playing into this. Uh, there's some creative solutions on, you know, that are here now mm -hmm. and, and coming. Uh, some companies that come to mind are TrueFit, 
Fit Analytics, Virtue Size. Yes. Um, these gather measurements from you in an, uh, one of three ways that I can tell. Uh, one is direct measurements. They tell you, please measure your waist, please measure your neck, please measure your, your chest size. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you put it in. Now that, you know, that can be a difficult thing. The, the person at the store who's helping you, the tailor who's measuring you for your suit to fit, um, does it all day long and yes. knows exactly how to do that. Uh, that can be a challenge for an at-home person, but still it's better than nothing. Uh, another site I noticed asks you for your favorite fitting items, hmm. and then you input the brand and the size that that item is. That's so from there, they know your size. Uh, and then a third option, which is also very interesting, uh, they tell you to dress in some form-fitting clothes, um, and then take pictures in various poses, and a smart application will measure you from those pictures and determine what shape you are. From there, uh, there are these databases that cross-reference that information to the sizing information of individual items. So if the item you're looking for is in the database, uh, then they can recommend a size for you. Uh, that's how that works on these websites, and it is really very interesting. Now, uh, you know, it's kind of difficult to to find some of these items sometimes, but I'm expecting them to grow significantly over time. Well, as technology continues to grow and develop, we anticipate there will be new, fun, and exciting ways for people to experience products as online shopping continues to be a, a growing trend. And as we expect to continue to see that in the future, I think uh, technology will continue to enable people to experience these products before it actually arrives at their home, hopefully uh, lowering and limiting the amount of, uh, of returns that we need to make. Sure. Um, you know, the returns uh, process, studying that and improving that is definitely hard work. Yes. But the investment will pay off in the long run. Um, getting the right size is going to be an absolute huge win. Uh, in fact, Snap, the makers of Snapchat, bought Fit Analytics that I previously mentioned earlier this year. So they recognize that, that getting the right size and lowering returns for their customers, uh, the retailers who are advertising on their site, will be a big win. There we go. That pretty much concludes our four-part series on returns. Herb, is there anything you want to say in closing to wrap up the series as a whole, perhaps, uh, to give people something that uh, that they should walk away with? Yeah, I would say that um, make sure you invest in the returns process. Think of it as part an integral part of the entire purchase process. Returns are important to consumers. They've become more important with online sales. Online sales have become much more important as a result of the pandemic. And I predict that while we will pull back some, we will not pull back all the way. It's advanced online sales tremendously. Herb Billings from Datascan. Thank you again so much, everyone, for tuning into this series on returns. We appreciate it very much. Again, if this is the first episode you're tuning into, go back and check out the three earlier episodes in the series where uh, we dive into the basics, explain the problem, and, uh, and get much more into the nitty-gritty of returns. Thank you again so much for joining us. For Herb Billings, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. We will see you next time on Herb's Hot Takes.